It's time to sit down and relax for the good, the bad, and the sequel Q&A with your host, Doug. Hey there, Doug here. This week's interview, if I can go in a time machine and talk to 12-year-old me, I'd probably be so jealous because, man, I had such a crush on Vanessa Angel growing up. I loved her in Kingpin. Then I was a huge fan of Weird Science TV show. And I got to talk to her, and it was amazing. She was so humble. She was so cool. We talked about how she got discovered as an uh, as a model at the age of 14. She even said, I was a tomboy. And everything changed from when her her and her mom went out to lunch one day, and these two people just spotted her. And her life changed forever. But, man, she's so humble. We talked about a lot of her big acting roles. And then we had to talk to her about the movie that we're going to be covering next week, uh, Super Babies, Baby Geniuses 2. She laughed when I mentioned it, uh, but she had fun on it. She always wanted to work with John Voight, so she was super honest, and I had a lot of fun, and I know you're enjoying her. And be sure to follow her on Instagram at RealVanessaAngel. Without further ado, this is Vanessa Angel. Good. Well, thanks so much for taking the time. It's so awesome to talk to you. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Happy to be here. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So you've had a, an amazing career. How did it all begin? Well, yes. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, it actually began, I, I was modeling and I was in New York and, um, uh, John Landis, the director was casting this role in this movie spies like us. Yeah. Great movie. Yeah. And I, and I, so I got a call to meet with him. I guess he had seen some photos of me in a magazine or something because I was a modeling at the time and it, it sort of wore it was very kismet it, it, he was actually in London and I'm from London and I was happened to be going back to London for the holidays to see my family so I met with him in London and he just and I hadn't really done any acting before other than like school plays um, and it really wasn't something I was actually pursuing or thinking about I was really sort of entrenched in my modeling career and doing some commercials, but but acting really wasn't something I was thinking about. Um, but I met with him, and he just felt that I was really right for that role. And I didn't hear anything for a while, and then about six weeks later, he wanted to meet me in Washington. So I, I flew down to Washington and met him there. And a few weeks after that, I, I learned that I got the role, and that just sort of opened the doors to my acting career and it was an incredible experience and from that i got uh signed by william morris which is a big uh yeah it's a big one (laughs) yeah so so it it, yeah so it sort of started from there and i was only 18 so it was you know it was all a bit overwhelming for me you were 18 when that happened yeah but it was also it was also very obviously very exciting um, but yeah, I was sort of in over my head that the first few years, to be honest, I, I hadn't really studied and, uh, you know, other than doing some school plays, um, but I didn't have any, you know, uh, official sort of training. And so I started studying acting in, in New York city where I was living at the time and, um, started to figure out a craft. So the one who, you know, when I was auditioning for things, I, I sort of knew what I was doing. Yeah. That would um, <laughs> Yeah. So, but you know, it's, it was, it was an interesting transition. I I was still modeling and doing commercials when I was in New York city, but um, yeah, it was, it was, it was just sort of, I feel looking back now that it was just meant to be like this opportunity came to me. And I think it just sort of led me down this path and it was the one that was meant for me. Yeah. So on Instagram, I guess you, you went back home where you grew up and your home's in California now. But uh, yes. so you went back home and you were discovered at 14. What were you doing before you were discovered to when somebody was like, hey, you should be a model? What was life like? <laughs> well, life was, you know, I lived in the suburbs of London and I was just going to school and um, I was very much a, a sort of tomboy, actually. So it was, it was very strange when, you know, I probably turned 13, 14 and people started to sort of look at me differently because I was always very skinny and you know I never really felt you know beautiful (laughs) and and so it was very strange when I had suddenly felt like people were uh, was was sort of uh, you know looking at me in a different way and I happened to be in London with my mom and on that street in South Malton Street and these two agents 
were in a restaurant that I was in with my mom and they was kind of staring at me and they came over and said, Oh, how, how would you, uh, you know, what would you think about modeling? And it was honestly something I never really thought about, but that they happened to be um, from one of the best agencies in London. My dad kind of checked them out and, you know, they were very legit. So then oh, they good. started sending me out. Yeah, they were really legit. And, and they, they started sending me out on a few go to to meet some photographers. And there was a photographer called Tony McGee and then another photographer called Terrence Donovan that kind of took a shining to me. And I started working. And so my life was, you know, pretty just normal kid life in the suburbs of London, just going to school and, you know, going, enjoying nature. And, and then suddenly I'm thrust into this very sort of glamorous, world that that probably isn't as glamorous as people think but um it's actually a lot of hard work but uh yeah so it was it was it was it was a strange strange transition but you know as i said now i look back and i think that that was just meant to be for me yeah so that's like 80 81 i i I don't remember what i had for dinner like two weeks ago so (laughs) i would but just think about that like i don't know if you remember if there's a story along with that or something that maybe your parents talked about over the years like choosing of that restaurant, like that, that's what I think there's so much destiny when a lot of people and actors and people yeah. that are in film that they have these moments like that. Like they go to an audition, they say, Hey, what about that role? And it just changes everything. So it's like the chances of you going to that restaurant and those two guys being at the same time. And then just look where it is now. Yes, it is. I mean, I'm very much, you know, especially now that I'm older and I look back on my life, I think that, you know, things do happen for a reason. And there are these certain moments that happen that are clearly part of your destiny. And, you know, obviously you have a choice at that point to go down road A or road B. And, and you know, I, I think that, you know, it's, it was, it, it was looking back at, you know, I think, gosh, my parents sort of let me do that because I was flying to Paris and Milan and, and, you know, modeling at a very young age. And I actually had to change schools because I was missing so much school that I had to go to a special school where they sort of cater to kids that are, you know, working or performing and they have very small classes so you can keep up. So it really did. There was a lot of changes that were happening. And, you know, I have an 18 year old daughter now and, and I, you know, so I, I see sort of, you know, a childhood through through her, through the experience I've had with her. And I, I don't know whether I would have been able to, to do that, you know, let her go off and move to New York, you know, at, at 16. So it, it's, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely strange to look back at that time and think how I managed it all. You know, it wasn't, yeah. it's not the easiest thing to be that young and be sort of thrust into a, a very adult world. No, definitely. And she's the one that's, she's playing basketball at USC, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. She's a freshman and she's, she's loving it so far. It's it's a lot of work because she's, you know, it's almost like a job being an athlete at college level. And and then you're trying to do classes and everything else too. So it's quite challenging, but she's really liking it and she loves basketball. She's been playing for the last 10 years. And and, uh, so this was sort of a goal to play in college. So and and this was actually her number one choice school. Um, so she's really happy, really happy. What kind of like sport mom are you? Do you get really excited watching her or are you able to keep her cool? <laughs> That's a great question. You must, <laughs> you must be a sport parent or something. Cause yeah, it gets very intense, you know, even like at a young age, the parents, it's, uh, I know I, I'm, I'm more, I'm able to be more objective about it. My, my, her dad was, uh, was a college athlete so he was always a little bit more kind of into it and oh, you know okay. sort of knew that whole world of sports more than I did I did gymnastics when I was a kid but in England sports yeah, at that time anyway wasn't really as sort of intense and focused on as it is in the states yeah yeah things are a little bit different here yeah I mean you know it's it team sports are hard you know I think as a parent because there's a lot of politics that go on and but she she went to a wonderful uh middle high school that had an incredible uh women's basketball program and the coach was amazing and and it, it's you know it's been actually amazing amazing for her because I think sports really teaches you you know what you put into something you get out of it and it gives you know and you learn that sort of team camaraderie and you know it's it's very i think it's been amazing for my daughter anyway and i think for you know for most kids who do it it's 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 just very intense it's like you know you really have to work extremely hard to to reach your goals 
And, you know, when you're young, you, you, you sort of lose some of that, like just being a young, free kind of kid, just <laughs> with no responsibilities. Cause you know, she literally has been playing since she was eight yeah. and it, you know, it, it takes a lot of effort to, to get to the level that she got to. Yeah. And you, you know, she has two parents to look up to. You said your husband was a college athlete. You were working yeah. at a young age. She, you know, she, and it's cool that she's in the pack 12. That's good weather, especially during yeah. the basketball season. You don't have to worry about being in like the big 10 in the middle of the country and bad snowstorms or anything. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I thought that she would end up on the East Northeast coast, actually at college. She got a couple offers, you know, in that area, but she, oh, okay. she got to know the coaches better at USC because they're, you know, obviously a local school. So she just felt more comfortable there. And I'm, it's very nice to have her still in town, even though I'm not getting to see her as much as I used to obviously, but, but it's nice to have her not, yeah, not deal with snowstorms and bad weather yes. and, <laughs> trying to come back for holidays for, you know, in two days. That's great. So what were some of the early commercials that you did? Were they for like uh, any big products or ones that are still around? Oh, yeah. I mean, gosh, I did so many. The very first one I did was for Diet Pepsi. So I was like the Diet Pepsi girl. Oh, cool. And oh my God. I, I, yeah, it was a really good one too. And it was actually, strangely enough, it we shot that in, in London. So I got to fly back to London for that. But it was a pretty sort of iconic campaign is that now you see it now you don't campaign you I don't know how old you are but you it was you know in the in the early 80s so it was at that time it was sort of like a very uh, well-known commercial campaign um but I've done probably like 70 commercials like everything from sodas to beers to uh beauty products silky I was the silky hair commercial girl for a while um, I mean I mean literally like 70 commercials oh, wow. American Airlines I mean yeah it was it was there was yeah when you when you're younger and uh, look a certain way you got you got a lot of opportunities you know to sort of be the the pretty girl in the commercial so it was but it was fun I got to work with Joe Pitka and some of the best uh, you know most well known uh, commercial directors that there are so that's cool oh, did, oh Levi's I did I did a Levi's campaign with a amazing with actually the the guy in it is this. Um, guy who became a very very well-known photographer called uh, Mario Sorrenti um so he was actually in that and it was directed by a, a very well-known director called Marek Kanievska so yeah so I got to really you know work with some amazing people and have experiences that now I look back and think gosh that was really fortunate yeah that's know that's that from what I hear commercials are pretty good gigs to get I don't know if it was like that back then yeah, I mean, most of the ones I did were in New York, and then when I first moved to LA, I did quite a few, and then well, then I and then I got that series Weird Science, so I, I was so busy with that that I sort of stopped doing commercials. Yeah, uh, and now I think it's quite different. Like most commercials, they they shoot non-union, so it's like a whole different world. Like back then, it was it was all union, and uh, yeah. So I mean, I haven't done commercials in a long time, so I'm not really sure exactly, but I have friends who do, and it, it's changed quite a bit. Yeah. So we'll touch on weird science in a second, but so the first, the first series that that's on IMDb and that's, it's never a hundred percent, but the equalizer, you had a small role in one of the episodes of that. Yes. Yes. That was, that was actually one of, yeah, that was one of my first gigs in New York. Um, and I, as I said before, I was studying and I really wanted to, to, to sort of come into it and know what I was doing and not look like a complete fool. <laughs> um, and that was one of the first jobs that I, got and yeah it was just one episode but um and it's very different when you're actually you know on camera like you can go to classes and you know you put scenes up on stage and it's more almost you know sort of geared toward theater acting in a way so when there's so much technical stuff that you have to to learn when while you're on camera so that that I sort of learned as I experienced time on a set and, and being, you know, in front of the camera. So, yeah. So it's like you sort of do your emotional uh, pre- preparation work uh, really helps being in class, but the actual like, you know, technical side of it, you have to really just do it to, to, to learn it. Yeah. And then you did a few more things after that. And then you had, then you were on three episodes of Baywatch. So it must've worked yeah. you did that well. <laughs> you had three episodes. That's great. Yes. I mean, I think I'd actually read for a series regular role and they, I didn't get that, but then they, um, then they really liked me. So uh, the the, uh, showrunner Doug Schwartz had really liked me. So he was sort of figuring a way to to bring me back on somehow. And so this role came up and 
and and there was some sort of talk at the time about keeping me as a regular, but but they they were sort of just still figuring out their the way they were going. I think it was only season two or three. I can't remember exactly, but but it was a great experience. It was I mean you're shooting on the beach and in California it was pretty nice. It was pretty nice. Although although you know you start shooting very early in the morning and there was a lot of times where you'd have to like dive into the ocean to do some rescue and the water's <laughs> freezing and it's like not the most comfortable thing. But it was yeah, it was it was a wonder, wonderful experience. I actually learned a lot, you know, even though it's kind of a fluffy show, I, I learned a lot. Well, that show is so huge. Yeah, I know, like worldwide, right? I think it's still the biggest like worldwide global show of all time or something. Yeah, David Hasselhoff's like global and you had Pamela Anderson and just some of those episodes when you look back, they just got a little crazy. I remember one that there was like I think Pamela Anderson saved a guy from like an octopus or a squid. Like oh, some of the stories just got really out there. Well, when you're going through that many seasons, yeah, you have to come up with, you know, it's like it's a hard to come up with stories probably. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> and then the next year, <laughs> right after that, then you got, uh, you had eight episodes. You're on Reasonable Doubts. What was it like laying in a show that you had like a reoccurring role? Oh, that was so great. I mean, because no one would ever really think of me as casting me as a, you know, as a uniformed police officer. So, and it was, it was, I, it was a very well-written show. And, um, I was, I had actually read, um, for the pilot, it was between me and another actress. We, we, you know, we did a te- what they call a test reading yeah. and, um, for, for the role in the first season, of the bartender who was sort of the love interest of Mark Harmon. So again, the, the showrunner had really liked me, but felt like, the, you know, the, the other actress obviously got that role, um, but he had liked me. And so when they started season two, they brought me in for the ro- role of Peggy Elliott. And, and I was just thrilled because, you know, to play a police officer and I got to do some, you know, technical training with, 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 you know, the LAPD. And oh, that's cool. she was just a tougher, t- you know, tougher, sort of very gritty character and I hadn't had a chance to play something like that. So it was really great. And Mark Harmon, it must be the nicest actor that you will ever meet. Uh, and Marley Matlin was an incredible talent. So it was just amazing to work, uh, to work with them. Yeah. Mark Harmon, man, former, former football player. And he's huge right now. Yeah, show has been on long, for like 20 yeah. years. <laughs> I know it's such a long career. I mean, well deserved. He's really, truly like, I mean, not only talented, but he really is one of the nicest people you'll ever meet and just makes, makes working on the set just that much better. Cause you know, whenever the lead is, is a great, it just, it sort of affects the whole rest of the, the cast and crew, I think. Yeah, definitely. Especially when the what first person I hear a lot of horror stories from people that I talked to about some actors that are the leads and they're just not, like there on set and not present and it definitely affects it. Like when you see the movie afterwards. Yeah, it really does. I mean, it just makes the experience. I mean, sometimes you can't tell like, you know, what's happening on camera is yeah. working great. But like if, if there's tensions on the set, it just makes the process of making the show or the, or the movie that much more difficult. And, and, and it does really affect when well, you know, you're working really long hours, you know, most days, 12, 13, 14 hour days. So sometimes on hour dramas, it's even longer. So, you know, it, it's a lot of time to, to spend with people. So, and, you know, I do understand sometimes if, you know, actors get a little cranky or, you know, it's, it's really hard. It, I mean, it, it sounds glamorous and fun, but, you know, it, it does become grueling, you know, week after week of these extremely long days. And, um, it, you know, so there, you know, I do give some actors, you know, a little, a little uh, leeway for, for being, you know, just burned out sometimes. Yeah. So then, so then. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And after Reasonable Doubts is done, there's like Mellower's Place in a couple episodes, Murder, She Wrote, and then yeah. 90, 94, Weird Science. How did that whole yeah. thing come back for you? Well, I was actually, I was in Australia shooting this uh, episode of a show called Time Tracks, and I got sent this 
script for Weird Science, and, and I hadn't really done any comedy before, and I thought it was a really cute script, but, you know, whenever you're about to audition for something, you know, a pilot, you, you only get the first episode, so you, you're basing everything on that. Um, so I couldn't really tell exactly, you know, what where it was going to go. So I, but I liked it enough that that I took a meeting with the showrunners when I got back from Australia, and I really liked them, and they sort of, you know, explained, and they actually got an order for 13 episodes right off the bat. So that was exciting to me, the fact that, you know, it, w- it wasn't just one pilot, and then you wait to see what happens. Um, and, and I actually, I mean, it was a very long auditioning process. I, I probably went in about eight times before I actually did the final test oh, reading. Wow. Yeah. And, and I got to, you know, it was, it was actually good because I got to sort of hone my comedic timing in that whole process. So by the time I got it and we started shooting, I felt a little bit more comfortable with what was required, you know, to, to play this part. Did you see the movie before this? I had seen them. Yeah, I had seen the oh, movie, cool. but, but I didn't sort of, I didn't what I'd seen it, you know, a few years, you know, when it first come out, because this was, yeah. it was, that was sort of strange about it. That It was about eight years, nine years after the movie had come out that they did the series. So, but I didn't sort of watch the, um, the movie right before I, you know, met with them because I didn't want to, you know, emulate exactly what Kelly LeBrock did or anything. I mean, obviously they wanted that same essence, but uh, and there was actually talk initially about me doing a British accent because I am British, but at that point my accent wasn't really strong. Yeah. Um, but then it seemed when and I tried it a few times that way, but it just seemed like I was just trying to really copy Kelly. So we just ended up with the way that I speak naturally. Yeah. You know what's? You, I'm sure you've you've seen a lot of shows that come on TV over the years that are like adapted from movies. Like there was a Ferris Bueller TV show that was on for like a few episodes. Yes. I heard that wasn't Jennifer Aniston in that yeah. or something, right? Yep. Yeah. 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 I never saw it, but yeah. It's very, very rare for shows like that to make it, but it has to be perfect. And I think, I think you in that role was perfect. And obviously White and Gary, the two actors that played that, but Chet was a big character in the movie and it's really hard to Bill Paxton is amazing. And he's so funny yes. in that movie, but Lee Turgis, yeah. he is so funny in everything he's in. Oh, he's brilliant. He's one of the most brilliant actors. He's so, he's amazing. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, to, to try and, you know, to, 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 you know, Bill Paxton did such an incredible job in that part. So it's hard to live up to that, but lead an incredible job. And, and he was so fun. I mean, he's, I mean, the, the whole cast was really fun. We actually had a, a great time and we've, we've actually strange enough reconnected. Oh, cool. I'm about to shoot a, I'm about to shoot a movie that John Asher is directing actually. In a oh, few that's weeks awesome. here. Yeah. So it's kind of been nice. And, you know, I think, you know, when you're going through it again, it's like, you know, it gets to be quite grueling. So I think that there's days where you don't really appreciate as well as you could, you know, now looking back, I mean, we, we all had a great time and it was never like any tensions or anything, but you know, you just get tired. And so now I look back and think, gosh, I really appreciate that whole period of my life. It was really quite magical actually. Yeah. And all the, especially that there was you know, 88 episodes, you were able to do so much with his character, like, you know, shrink, you, you were able to shrink his head, turn him into different creatures. Yes. And there were like just so many fun things on that show. That was such an awesome show to watch growing up. Thank you. Yeah, it was it was really fun. Like every episode was like you said a new adventure and we never knew like okay, what crazy costume am I going to wear? What crazy? And yeah. you know, for 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 me like just, you know, even as a little bit of an acting challenge, there were, you know, episodes where I played the teen Lisa and I, or you know, like a different version of Lisa. So, you know, so I was kind of playing you know, slightly different versions of her in different episodes. So it was always fun. It was never boring. You know, there was always some crazy funny thing going on that made it really fun (laughs) so so since you did a lot of modeling you were doing commercials like when did you start getting noticed like on the streets like walking around was it around this time because of the show or was it probably prior right you you mean like notice just yeah people be like hey i I know you from oh right you mean like more recognizable kind of thing yeah yeah um yeah not really not really so much from from modeling i think trying to remember i think yeah probably probably around the you know we it wasn't until really weird science that i think people 
actually like recognizing on the street or in a store or something. But but it's never been to a level that's like really disruptive or anything that's like good. that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes then- I still get paparazzi or, you know, sometimes you get like, you know, it's, it's actually, I'm, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, actually, because it's quite strange because, you know, I, I'm sure you're familiar with the term projection, you know, like what, yeah. when you are somewhat of a public figure and people know you from your work and, or, you know, now, like I only started Instagram a little over a year ago and, and you know, people, they, they sort of think that they know you more than they really do. And, and they're sort of getting the full picture of who you are, but they're not really, you yeah. know what I mean? It's like, so that, that's, that's the only strange part about being noticed or recognized. And, and I do appreciate, I mean, obviously I think being an actor, the whole point is to connect with people and to share, you know, your humanity. And um, so I want to connect with people. I, I you know, and I, I actually do quite a few conventions. I was just in England doing one and, you know, I mean, a lot of these, uh, this was specifically for a show I did called Stargate, but but the fans, you know, they really, you know, you mean so much to them. It's like their favorite show. And, and you know, it's just lovely to know that you've actually reached people and affected people in, in a way that, you know, I don't necessarily maybe recognize completely because, you know, for me, it's a job and I'm doing my work and you hope to to, to, to be able to portray something that's, you know, that, that reaches people. But so, so when that manifest in, in somebody's reaction to you, it's, it's really quite lovely. Yeah. So when you go to those conventions, cause obviously if you're on a show that's popular, like weird science, obviously when you get renewed, you're getting the ratings of people see on the streets, but it's not like you really talk to these people. Like I interviewed uh, an actor who was in, he was in a ton of stuff in small roles, but he was the voice of beast on X-Men the animated series that was on Fox oh, and he never right. knew how much people loved it. Cause you don't know. And he went to, I talked to him like a week after he went to his first ever comic con. And he's like, I almost like cried because it was unbelievable. The way people were walking up to me, like tell me how much they loved my character. And he's like, I just never yeah. knew after all these years. So no, it's cool that you do those yeah, things it, because you can meet the people yeah. that, you know, help the show stay it, on it air. It is. It, it, it is. I mean, you, I mean, I'm, I remember very well the first one I ever did was it was actually in England too. It was in Wembley. It was like a really big one at the, the time. It was a sort of genre, sci-fi genre, nostalgia kind of combined. So I think Lord of the Rings had just come out, so there was a lot of actors from there. And but I I just met so many people and si- signed so many autographs, and people were so like, you know, it, they, there's that moment where they come up to you at the table and you know, sometimes they're like shaking or they're just so excited. And, and it's just like, to me, I'm just me, you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm not a big deal to me. But when you see that, you know, it is, it's quite remarkable. And and I um, would never get to meet some of the people I meet at these conventions. It's, you know, I've met so many interesting people from different walks of life that I would never normally uh, meet. So it is. It's you know. It, it it was overwhelming to begin with, but now I'm more used to it, and I actually really quite enjoy it. Well, that's awesome. Is there anybody that you get that way for that you worked with or saw in public, like some actor or celebrity that you, Vanessa Angel, were like, oh my god, that's so and so. Uh yeah. I mean yeah. I mean there's a lot of actors I admire. I I, okay. do, I remember actually. I remember a long time ago, right before I did Weird Science, I was invited to. I'm probably telltelling telling now, but I was invited to Carrie Fisher used to have a big birthday party uh, at her house. And I had a friend who knew her and invited me. And it was literally everybody from Meryl Streep to Tom Cruise. I mean, it was like insane. Barbara Streisand. I mean, it was, it was, it was like literally like everybody in Hollywood. And I was so like, and I mean, I was just so overwhelmed and my career was, you know, not like fully established at that point so I was you know nobody knew who I was and I was just completely in awe of that all that talent in one room it was pretty amazing yeah it'd be fun to be like a fly on the wall to hear what the conversations are like they're normal conversations but now that's uh that's cool yeah yeah, but no, there's a lot of, I mean, I think I would, I would literally fall over if I met Meryl Streep because she, <laughs> she is, I mean, I did actually meet her at that party, but that was, I think, 94 or something. But um, yeah, if I, I mean, I, I you know, I, I love the opportunity to work with actors I admire because, 
you know you want to learn from them and and, and try and absorb absorb their you know what they're about that's great and then so right i guess towards the middle of weird science kingpin so that movie yes yes talk about a classic oh my gosh i, I it's, again it's like i look back and think that was just meant to be um i yeah i was shooting weird science and and you know we had pretty long schedule and we we had little hiatuses and I got a call that, that the Farrelly brothers wanted to meet me and I read the script and I thought it was hilarious. Um, and, uh, so they, and I actually, I got the script like months before I even met with them and it just so turned out that they had, they, they knew when they were going to start filming and it happened to be when I was shoot, uh, on a hiatus from, from weird science because it, we weren't sure if I could even meet with them because that like I was doing show and I, I didn't know if I was available basically for the time that they needed, they would need me on Kingpin. And it just so happened that like it worked out perfectly. There was like a little bit of a crossover towards the end when they were shooting in Reno, I was shooting the show. So I was doing both at the same time, which was oh, wow. kind of challenging, but see, so, yeah, so I met with the Farley brothers a few months after I got the script and, they had seen me, I guess Peter had seen me on Weird Science and thought that I had the right combination, which was sort of kind of a, like a softness about me, but also a ball buster at the same time. Like they wanted somebody, you know, a strong woman, but like she had a sensitivity that also came through. So he felt that, that I had the right ingredients and I met with them and I probably had about four auditions and the last one, Woody House, and was, was, um, we were supposed to have what they call a chemistry read. Yeah. He actually ended up not, not he, end, he ended up not reading with me and just sort of watching. And so I, I performed three scenes and then I had to wait for, for a while to hear if he approved me. And then I, then I had a phone conversation with him about a week after that. And he said, yes. And so, and then, you know, Farley brothers at that point had wanted to cast me. So yeah, I was so lucky. I was so lucky. And it was an incredible experience. What is that process like? I'm sure you've done it a number of times, but say for that one, like when you do the audition, like when you leave, you're like, oh, I'm going to get this or just the waiting would be so hard. <laughs> oh, it's so hard. I, I do. I've never, I have to admit, I've never really liked the auditioning process. I get very nervous and you know, even, even today, it's like, I don't like, I, it's something about like walking to room and having all these eyes on you. And, and I'm, I'm fine once I get to a set, you know, even though there's even more people when you're actually shooting, usually um, there's something about the audition process. that's quite, quite hard. And I, I felt like I had a really good handle on Claudia. So that particular auditioning process w- felt good. I mean, I, I felt like I felt like every time I did my, my auditions they, that, you know, I felt really good about them, but you never know, like you just never know because there's a lot of people making the decision usually. So you, everybody's sort of got to get on board, you know, with the same decision. I mean, there's times when I've gone in and I'm just like, thought I tanked it and, and, <laughs> and then you end up getting it. So, you know, you're not always the best judge, I think of, of, of your performance, but um, but you, you know, I, I usually can leave a room and feel like, okay, well I did that really well. You know, I can, start to kind of you know question oh maybe I could have done that better but but um but you have to sort of let it go at that point and just let let destiny fall as, as it will yeah so with that movie the first time you're on set and the way you, know, you think just the way all these guys really look like Bill Murray Randy Quaid Woody Harrelson just the outfits and the wigs that they're wearing are just just funny without even saying anything the hair, the hair in that movie is so hilarious. Yeah, and 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 yeah, and and, and the war, this wardrobe, uh, costume design, it was amazing. We we had actually done shopping for for her role in L.A. before because we shot in Pittsburgh. We had actually shopped um, and done fittings in L.A. for that, so I kind of had a sense what my character was going to look like. But and then when we got to Pittsburgh. We um, did some some rehearsals, and I know at that point Woody decided to shave his, you know, to have that comb over look. So he had sort of decided that right before we started shooting, and and then and then Bill, you know, once Bill was on board, his his hair obviously was really like <laughs> very memorable. So yeah, it was yeah a lot of that, you know, some of that stuff is pre-planned, and some just sort of you know off the cuff, like spur of the moment decisions. So Woody shaved it. Actually, that's actually his, he shaved his head. 
Yes, at that, that time he, he, does, he, still, he still have hair and, uh, and, and still he actually shaved that, that sort of whatever you call that, that, you know, that balding area where you comb over. Yeah, that was a choice that he had made because he, yes. you know, he wanted to look, you know, really, you know, like he was struggling. <laughs> and I think <laughs> some, just the visuals of that with the, with the costumes that he had, which were brilliant, just really added to that, the visual of that. That whole movie, how, how many times did it, I'm sure a lot of scenes just from like laughing and people breaking. How many times did it, the, the icebox scene? So you come out and then when Randy Quaid comes out, that is like the funniest scene in the whole movie's funny, but that's yeah. one of the funniest scenes. That is funny. Yeah. And, and I was actually, I get this question probably more than any other question. It was prosthetic nipples. <laughs> um, <laughs> But we were actually shooting that in, in Pittsburgh. It was on a kind of weird soundstage, but it wasn't like a very, you know, it was a very kind of basic soundstage and it was freezing. And, and, and I remember it was very cold on the, uh, on the, on the sets as well. And I, I told Pete, I was like, Pete, I don't think, I don't think I'm going to need prosthetics. It's so <laughs> cold in here. Um, but yeah, no, that, that, yeah, that those scenes actually w- went pretty s- seamlessly. You know, they were pretty, um, I, I I remember. Yep, uh, uh, Randy had to have the prosthetics done too, and that, that you know that kind of stuff takes a bit of time to do. So there was a bit more waiting between takes and stuff than the normal. But um, no, it went. Yeah, it was it was it was fun, fun, fun scene. Would you say that was your to your to obviously you're you're starring on a, on a cable TV series? Was that that was your top billing role? thus far in your career? Yeah. I mean, I would say, yeah, that, I mean, I had done a couple of leads in, you know, and sort of more B movies. So, you know, or, you know, that don't, wouldn't not, not, this is a studio movie. So yeah, I would say this was my first lead role in the studio movie. Yeah. That's awesome. How was it like going to like, was there a premiere that you went to like the first time you saw yourself in a movie like that, that did so well, like on the big screen? Well, you know, it was actually funny because, because, um, they had the premiere in um, in Newport, Rhode Island, because uh, at the time the Farley brothers, I think, were living still um, on the Northeast Coast, and there was supposed to be an LA premiere, and Woody wasn't able to make it, and he had just been right after Kingpin, he started shooting The People versus Larry Flint. Oh wow! Yeah, and he and he was he was putting a, a lot of energy into that, and I think he was. I'm not sure exactly what happened, but he couldn't make the premiere. So they ended up canceling the premiere in LA. And so I was so disappointed because oh. this was like my big debut, you know, first time lead in the, in the studio movie and and they canceled it and I was devastated. Um, but then they ended up doing the one in Newport, which, which was also really fun, but, but the whole cast wasn't there. It was, it was, you know, it was more for uh, Peter and Bobby's, sort of family and friends and stuff. And though there were some people from LA, you know, some studio people, but, but yeah, so that was, that, that's how that went down. Um, and, and then the movie didn't actually do that well. Like it came out the day of the, the, the Atlantic, uh, oh, the Atlantic, Olympics. sorry, Atlanta, Atlanta Olympics yeah. opened. And then there was that bomb scare and it was like a weird sort of news weekend. And I think people just didn't go to the movies <laughs> that weekend. And, and it didn't, you know, and I think that they weren't like exactly sure how to, I shouldn't say this because it sounds like I'm being critical, but I think, you know, they don't, they had done Dumb and Dumber prior to, to Kingpin and that had done extremely well. Um, but I think that kind of type of comedy is, you know, maybe hard to market or something. I'm not sure how, uh, how it sort of the marketing campaign had, had helped. And, uh, and so there was a big disappointment, you know, after the opening weekend because it didn't do the kind of business they hoped. But then it ended up getting discovered, you know, after the fact. I mean, it, when it w- actually wasn't that long afterwards. It was about six months afterward that it started to sort of get rediscovered. And I, and I think and then it got even bigger after they did this something about Mary. I think people that movie did really well and was really well received. And then I think people looked at the Farley brothers past credits and then they discovered Kingpin. And then I think it kind of got rediscovered again after that. And then then it's become almost like a cult movie. I actually just did a documentary about cult movies that's coming out and Kingpin was included in one of the movies. And so there's a great interview with Peter 
and myself and, you know, the whole story behind the movie. So, yeah, it sort of became this cult classic, which no one ever thought would happen, I think. Yeah, it's just I think it's just a perfect movie. I just think seeing three actors that you know, for the most part in the movies that they are, like what they are and they play, and just to see how different they look. Like you mentioned the wigs and the hair and the costumes. It just like, I don't know how you feel. Now that I know he shaved his head, that makes it, that even like kicks it up another notch because I love Woody Harrelson. Yeah, he's so great. He's so talented. He's he's brilliant. I mean, Ra- Randy and Bill too. I mean, oh, you yeah. can't, there's no, no better actors than, than those three. They're really, I, I'm so, I look back now and I'm so fortunate that I was able to be a part of that. Yeah, and then right now, We'll touch about some other stuff, but you have a lot going on right now on your IMDb. I know it's not always 100% accurate, but Sons of yeah. Thunder this year, Crown Lake. Yes. I, yeah, I've actually been doing a lot the last year, and, um, and I'm attached to quite a few things coming up. But, you know, with, with independent movies, you never really know exactly, yeah. you know, how it's going to come, come about. But, yeah, I just did um, – Six episodes of this show called Sons of Thunder, which was actually, I shot that in Houston and it, and it was very interesting. It, it, it sort of has a um, faith-based slant, which is something I haven't done before. But and so my character was very, um, you know, had a lot of faith. And so that was interesting, sort of diving into what that's about. And the actors that I was working with were great. And it was, it was sort of the, the lead guy's um, kind of part of his story, too. So... It was, yeah, it was very, very interesting to work on that. And then Crown Lake is is, is actually, uh, it's a YouTube show on, on oh, this cool. network called, yeah, it's actually on a network called Brat that was created for teen influencers um, because that's such a big thing now that this, that this this guy, I guess, created this little, literally like a platform for them to sort of take beyond their influencing and, and, and write content for them. So it was very much all like teen girls and I have a teen daughter. So it was interesting to be around that on a professional level. Um, and I just, I just played a sort of periphery role of the teacher. It was, it's, it was actually set in the early nineties and I, in, in this uh, girls, all girls boarding school. And I played a teacher and the moms of one of the kids. Um, but yeah, it was, it was interesting to be around these, literally these 15, 16 year old girls who, who, who are like so professional and have done so much already at their young age. It was, it was really quite astounding actually. Yeah. I interviewed, I talked to a guy last night that was on another Brat Network show and I'd never heard really? of the show before. It was called uh, a girl named Joe. Oh wow. So it's another one of those. Yeah. They're doing a lot of, and, and, and I have to say, I mean, they really do a good job with it. It's not just like, you know, rinky dink. It's like they have a whole studio and, Hollywood and the, and the 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 quality level is very high and and, and they shoot very fast but but it's really quite well done. Yeah, the other so, one was a yeah, piece too. The other one was from wow. It was set in the '60s and it oh, was pretty cool. cool when I clicked on it because I went on YouTube and I didn't even know it was really on there. But what like the first episode I looked at, it was like eight million views, and I'm like, oh man. So I asked wow. him about that, and he said, yeah, they they use like YouTube stars, and obviously what they're doing it works, and that's. It looked good too. Yes. I mean, it, it really works. And my manager was sort of, oh, you should do this because it's a whole different demographic. Although, you know, teen girls aren't that interested in what women my age are doing. But, <laughs> but, um, but it was, it definitely is a whole, it's, you know, the whole YouTube world. I mean, there's so many different avenues and platforms for, for, for content now that it's quite different from when I first started in the business, really. Yeah. So, so we talk a lot of sequels, what we do, and we interview a lot of actors actors and actresses that are part of them. And I started this because I'm fascinated with sequels and you've been a part of a couple of them. And so the one that I'm going to ask you about is super babies and baby geniuses too. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's, I think that's on like 20 top, you know, worst movies of all time list or something. But for me, I was like, um, I was just so excited to work with John Voight because I think he's brilliant. And, and I was like, Hey, like getting to work with him, that's a win-win. Um, but yeah, it was kind of, you know, I guess, you know, the concept of it is a bit, a bit, you know, <laughs> a bit out there, but it was really, it was actually really fun. And, and I had just had my, it was a while ago. I just had my daughter. And so it was, so I was sort of getting back into work and we shot in Vancouver and, 
And um, it was actually right over night when 9-11 happened. And I remember it was a very, you know, obviously an odd time for everybody. Oh, yeah. Terrible time. And so we were all sort of, you know, bonded on this movie together, having this experience. So I'll always sort of remember that part of it. It was very... Um, very intense time. Yeah, I talk to a lot of people that are in movies, and I know they might be in like the top worst movies of all time. But it's not like when you're going into making a movie like this, it's a kid's movie that's going to be obviously silly. So it's not like people yeah. go there expecting it to be like Godfather 2. It's it's a movie about babies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was just, I mean, it was supposed to be cute and like, yeah, exactly. People took it too, you know, too seriously. Yeah. And, you know, and they gave, I think, John Boyd a hard time for doing something like that. But, but he, he, he was actually really great in the movie. Like, he commits to whatever he's doing. Oh, fully. yes, he does. Like, yeah. even, even if it, even if it's a silly kid movie, like I said, it, 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 he commits to his character and, it was it was wonderful to to be around him and 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 uh, Scott Bayo is also really fun to be around. So so it was uh, it was it was a good experience. And you know the experience to me is what you remember more than the finished product. Really, yeah. I mean it's it's kind of a wonderful side you know side benefit if you, if the movie actually or the TV show turns out really well. It's you know it's always wonderful if that happens. But the experience of shooting it is what you remember more than the actual you know the the finished product. Yeah. And all you can do is, you know, act in the scenes and then they pick and choose. Cause I've talked to some actors, they say when they saw the movie for the first time, they didn't even know, like, they were like, Oh, I thought this other cut was better. I interviewed a guy that was in Texas Chainsaw Massacre three. And he told me a story that the director, when he was like, the movie was already finished, the studio went behind his back and reshot the final scene. So you, you only have oh, so much. Wow. Yes. Yeah, so you only have so much control. No, exactly. Yeah, exactly. All, all you can do is your preparation and then, you know, you know, action to cut. And, and then it's like out of your hands and it's in the editor's hands, really. So, yeah, you never really know. I mean, even one of the first time I ever saw Kingpin, that there was a there was a large section in the middle where there was more sort of on the road uh, footage between, you know, me and Woody. Um, so quite a bit of my role was actually cut down. So I remember the first time I ever saw it, I was, I was, I, I loved the movie, but I was kind of disappointed that like a lot of my stuff was, was not the, in it anymore. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, Cause there was, yeah. I mean, in, so yeah, in that regard, yeah, you never know exactly how it's going to, how it's going to end up put together. But you know, all you said, all you can do is just, the, you know, the, the work you do yeah. on, on, the day and then you just hope that you know you i mean sometimes editors make it even better than than it could have been so you know obviously their their work is you know instrumental in making making something really good yeah so over your career is there a, obviously you have like weird science and you have all the big movies that you're in is there a movie that you're in that maybe just didn't get the recognition that folks should check out that afterwards when you saw it you're like oh man that's really good <laughs> gosh i gotta think about that um <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh, wow. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, we've already talked about this, but I think, you know, reasonable doubts comes to mind, even though that's not a yeah. movie. No, that, um, that's good. But oh, just because that was something that I'd never done before, but actually there was a movie that I did a few years ago um, that I don't think didn't actually get released called trouble sleeping. And I, I really, I thought that I, you know, I really liked the role that I played in that, but you know, nobody's really seen it. Um, so yeah, so there are, there are some things more recently that I've done that don't necessarily get seen. Um, and, and, it, and it's tough sometimes because people will always think of me as the girl from weird science and the girl from Kingpin. And that was, you know, quite a while ago. So my, my more recent work isn't, isn't really as known as some of the stuff from, from the nineties. Yeah. But you're still, you're still in a lot of stuff, you know, hall pass. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. 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 yeah, No, I've been, and actually I'm about about to do a movie called zombie bride with Danny Trejo, which is a zombie movie, but, but it it should be fun. And then I'm going, yes, I've met him actually at conventions before and he's really nice. I'm super stoked to work with him. And then I have a couple other projects that um, I'm attached to. So I'm hoping that those start. One's actually going to shoot in the UK, which would be nice to, to go back there for a little bit. Oh, that'd be fun. Um, so, yeah. So, 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 yeah, no, I've been, I've been actually working quite a bit the last year. So it's, it's nice. It's, it's really, um, 
you know, I, I love what I do. So it's always, a, you know, a, a blessing to, to be on set and to get to do what you love. Yeah. So with the, with trouble sleeping, so they have like a trailer on here. So what's like the, what's like the yeah. next step for it to get out there? Cause that's a pretty good cast. You, Billy Zane, Fred Stoller. Yeah, it was really good. It was great. Um, I don't know. I think that they, it, 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 I know, actually, I, I know the producer really well. And he um, said that um, it, it's kind of more of a thriller and like, you know, with distribution, it's hard to get distribution. And if, you know, it has to sort of fit into a very specific genre, almost it's like a full on drama or a full on horror or, you know, this was sort of between drama and horror. It really and it wasn't, I think it wasn't like maybe specific enough for, um, you know, for, for to, to, to sort of get like a, you know, global distribution. So I think he's still working on trying to make that happen. But, you know, we'll see. Sometimes you never, you never know how something's going to be received. Yeah. Now that's, that's true. Hopefully somebody picks it up because it looks pretty cool. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. So, yeah. So thanks so much for taking the time. One last question before I let you go. So if we go back in time in a time machine and you're say 13 and Mm -hmm. you weren't modeling or, or acting, which obviously you are, Mm -hmm. what, what was something that you wanted to do when you grew up? Well, I was very into nature and animals. So I think like probably every kid, I was like, I want to be a vet. <laughs> so I, I, I mean, it was, you know, I don't know if I would have ever gone in that direction. Um, but yeah, I was very much a, a nature girl. So I think I probably, I don't know. It's, very, it's a very good question because, you know, it's sad that I didn't get to go to college. Um, now, you know, seeing my daughter go to college and, and all the different things you can study, I think now if I was could go back and start over again, I would probably go into psychology, something like that, because I find that, that area quite interesting. Um, but yeah, but when I was 13, I think I just loved animals and wanted to be around animals. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that'd be a good idea for a TV series. I don't know if you know anybody that writes or wrote that, write this, but you go back to school while your daughter's in school. That'd be pretty good. Oh yeah, actually, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, when she had orientation and 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 I got to visit the camp, you know, USC campus, and the and she's she's enrolled in the journalism school, and I was like, oh my gosh, I want to go to college. I want to go here. It was really like I got that renewed kind of uh, excitement about learning, you know, something that I don't know. Yeah, that'd be cool, like a back to school reboot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. No, that's awesome. Well, uh. Well, thanks so much for taking the time. I'm so happy that you guys did go out to that restaurant when you were 14. And oh, you guys saw you, you and you brought, like you said, like you went to you know, the conventions and people talked to you about you know, weird science, Kingpin, Stargate, and you have a lot of stuff coming out. So thanks so much for taking the time. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're, you're welcome. It was great chatting with you. And best luck to your daughter this season. I hope they beat all the teams in the Pac-12. Oh, thank you so much. Me too. Thanks. Man, wasn't she awesome? The reaction she had when I mentioned super baby geniuses, it was just, she laughed, but then she was honest about it. And uh, the behind the scenes stuff on Kingpin, how cool is that? Woody actually shaved his head, man. All right, so that's it. Your homework, and it's homework. You're going to have to watch super baby geniuses, super babies, baby geniuses, too. Even the title is just... There's a lot to it. It's a mouthful. But yeah, find it, watch it. It's silly, it's fun, and it'll be fun to uh, review with Jamie live in the studio. So don't forget to review, rate, share our podcast, follow us on all social media at Sequels Only. And don't forget to check out our new website, sequelsonly.com. Good night.